Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Good morning, Southside Church. We are so excited that you are here to worship with us this morning. We are starting a brand new series, uh, looking at kind of taking pieces of the book of Joshua, and we're calling it Courageous. And in just a little bit, you will know why, because it is a charge for us to be strong and courageous in the Lord. Um, And to kind of really understand the book of Joshua and really appreciate where we where Joshua 1 picks up, we need to understand what has happened before, leading up to Joshua chapter 1. So Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible, which accounts kind of the nation of Israel really entering into the promised land, conquering the land that God has given them, and uh, being obedient to the, to the commands of the Lord. Um, but before that, that wasn't always the case. You've probably heard of a guy named Moses. Moses, hands down, the greatest leader that the nation of Israel has ever seen, especially up to this point, which Joshua actually mentions that in Deuteronomy chapter 34. We'll, we'll read that in just a second. But just to kind of go through the resume of Moses, Moses was the one who God talked to through the burning bush. Moses was the guy who God single-handedly used to deliver the ten plagues on the nation of Egypt. Moses was the guy that led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Moses was part of the parting of the Red Sea by the power of the Word of God. Moses was the guy who facilitated manna and dove, literally falling from heaven to to feed and sustain the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. And Moses was the one who communed with God on top of Mount Sinai, bringing down the Ten Commandments to instruct the nation of Israel. And it was through Moses' leadership that the nation of Israel was led to the doorstep of the promised land. Wow, what what an instrument of God Moses was in the history of the nation of Israel. What an impressive resume, but what we're going to see and what we saw in the book of Numbers and the book of Deuteronomy, even under a great leader, the people of God rebelled. They rebelled against God, and they rebelled against the leadership of Moses. And it was on the the border of the promised land, and the Israelites were literally standing there about to go in that they got cold feet. And they began to doubt that God was as big as they once thought. They lost their confidence in God. And as a result of their lack of confidence and rebellion, they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until an entire generation of people died off. They never got to see the promised land. And as we turn the page from Deuteronomy chapter 34 to Joshua chapter 1, something significant has occurred. Not only has the entire rebellious generation died off in the wilderness, the greatest leader in the history of Israel has died. Moses has died. We see that talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 34, and we're going to see it mentioned in Joshua chapter 1 here in just a second. But Deuteronomy 34 and Joshua 1 accounts the changing of guard from Moses, again, the greatest leader in the history of the nation of Israel, to a man named Joshua, son of Nun. 
And as we look at this first section of Joshua 1 today, we're going we're to see the Israelites' confidence, probably where it is at this point in time, but we're going to see it. We're going to see God restore it to where it's supposed to be. So follow along with me in Joshua chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard. That's what's going to be up on the screen as well. So starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. As long as you live, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Let me go back to that. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you or forsake you. A significant statement that we'll talk more about. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them in an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will, be, you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. A beautiful passage and the, the entirety of this speech from God, speaking directly to Joshua, is one of encouragement and instruction to the new, newly appointed leader of the nation of Israel. One who's filling the shoes of Moses, the one that I've said multiple times already that was the greatest leader that Israel had ever seen and would ever see. Moses had just died and these, and then these first nine verses of the book, uh, this conversation that, that God is having directly with Joshua, notice what the first words are. It's believed that Joshua finished writing the book of Deuteronomy, that it's believed that Moses started. So it's believed that Joshua is writing this story, the account, the 24 chapters of the book of Joshua. Joshua is recording them. And so the first words that Joshua says God said to him are this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore... Arise. Do you think that, that Joshua needed reminding that, that Moses had just died? Do you think, because if you read the, the previous two books of the Bible, if you read Numbers and even, even Exodus, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you'll know that, that Joshua is talked about as being the assistant, and it's mentioned here, even the assistant of Moses. Moses was Joshua's mentor. He was his friend, and at least for the last 40 years, he was the leader, his leader. Do you think 
Joshua, of all people, needed reminding that Moses had died. No, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Joshua needed reminding of that, and I don't think that was God's intent, but I do think Joshua needed a reminder that God was still God. And I believe the nation of Israel did too. And I think God is, is bluntly reminding Joshua that Moses was God's servant. Moses was his servant. It wasn't the other way around. And all this, all the clout and the, uh, the resume that Moses had, it, it may have begun to shift the confidence that people once had in God to the person, the man of, of Moses. Because I'm sure <laughs> if, if this great leader who led for so long threw so much in the lives of the Israelites, performed all these miraculous things by the power of God, I'm sure Joshua's natural response and the response of of Israel when when, when they heard that Moses had died was, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? As if the fate of the nation rested on the shoulders of a man. No, I believe God is reminding Joshua that Moses was a servant of God because Joshua's confidence had shifted maybe shifted from, from God to Moses. He'd become really close with Moses. And Moses, and God describes Moses as his servant. And in Deuteronomy 34, Joshua talks very highly of Moses and the intimacy from which he had a relationship with God. But I think right off the bat, I think this is the reminder that God is giving to Joshua. Who is your confidence in, Joshua? And I think he's trying to subtly, or not subtly, blatantly and bluntly shift Joshua's perspective from Moses was a servant. He was not God. I am God. And I'm your God. And so I want to ask you right off the bat how how this directly applies to our lives today is who are you placing your confidence in? When could when catastrophe strikes or when, the, when that diagnosis comes or when you're, you're grieving a loss or when you think your marriage is over, when, the, when your world is shaking, is your confidence resting on, on man? Or is it resting on someone in your household? Or is it resting on someone sitting beside you today? Or is it in the Creator who holds you in His hand? Because Joshua's world was literally shaking. But God was reminding him, and he's reminding us today, that if we're, we belong to him, we are in his hand. Nothing that's happening, no circumstance, no situation, no diagnosis, no loss, nothing has caught him by surprise. And he is still very much in control. And because the tasks that, that we read in verses 1 through 9, those, the things that God is asking Joshua to do, the very same things that he had commanded for Moses to do, and now that, that leadership as it passes to Joshua, those responsibilities and those tasks and those, those directives, those commands, those are passed to Joshua. They're not easy things to do. And to give you a, a little bit of context 
40 years prior to this, Joshua was one of the 12 spies that the nation of Israel sent into the promised land, right? They, they, uh, Moses led them out of Egypt. They were, they were on a mission to go to the, to, the, to the promised land that they had been promised, that this is the land that God has given you. And they finally find themselves at the doorstep of the promised land in Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. And, and the plan was to send spies into the land so that they could come up with a with a game plan to be informed and, and to be able to obey God and, 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 and kind of fighting and, and conquering the land. But we see when the 12 spies came back, 10 of them said, we can't take it. Of the two, Joshua and Caleb, Joshua was one of the ones that said, we can, God's given it to us. All we have to do is go in and take it. And so God is, is giving the responsibility of, of Joshua, right now he's saying, I want you to lead these people into the land that I've promised them. And Joshua is probably thinking, oh, those people that 40 years ago that when they came back and said, we can't do it, I, I tried to tell them that we could and have faith in God because you are worthy, you are bigger than the people in this land. And yet they tried to stone me because of that. You want me to lead those people? And not only does he want... Joshua to lead the people. He says, I want you to lead them into the land to conquer the inhabitants of the land. The, the same ones that the spies that came back in Numbers 14 that said that these, they, there were giants in the land and they made us seem like grasshoppers. Those are the ones you want me to lead? And not only does he want them to lead the people of Israel into the promised land and conquer the inhabitants that are currently living in the land, he wants them to lead them in obedience to God's word. The same word when it came down 40 years earlier, go take the land was the word of God. The people were afraid and they didn't trust that God was big enough. And I'm sure Joshua is, is probably experiencing a little bit of PTSD in this moment. Thinking I've been here before. I know how that turned out. What, what, I, I don't know if I can do this this time because I, I, I'm constantly thinking about what happened the last time. And this is the exact reason I believe God repeats two particular phrases three different times in these nine verses, which we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about. In some variation, God tells Joshua in these first nine verses to be strong and courageous, and I will be with you. He says it three times. Why? Why would God say, this, these particular phrases three times, and even say at the end, don't be afraid or discouraged. And another, another translation says it this way, don't be frightened or dismayed. And to me, the text is clear. God is saying these things because Joshua is scared. He is feeling completely and utterly weak, not only to fill the shoes of Moses, but to, to accomplish the tasks that God has given him. Can anyone relate to what Joshua may be feeling in this moment? A sense of overwhelmingness for, from what God is asking you to do, whether that's feeling overwhelmed and, and kind of in over your head when it comes to parenting. I'll, I'll raise my hand there. You're feeling a little overwhelmed or, or in over your head when it comes to what's currently going on in your marriage. Or are you feeling overcome and overwhelmed by by what you feel God's called you to and, and asking you to do through your place of employment? Or are you overcome by the current culture 
the state of our nation or the state of our world right now. And God is reminding us, just as he is reminding Joshua, he's saying, I'm not asking you to do this alone. I'm not asking you to do this in your own strength. He says, you can be strong and courageous because I am going to be with you. God is restoring Joshua's confidence in him. Each time he says, be strong and courageous for I will be with you. The first time we see this phrase, be strong and courageous, it's in verse 6. And, and God is telling us, he's saying that we can be strong and courageous because, because God keeps his promises. Notice what he says in verse, in verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them and inheritance. So what is he talking about there? So this, this promise, this, this promise of inheritance tracks all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, where, where God first calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to give you a land and I'm going to give it to your descendants. And looking ahead, if you go all the way to the end of Joshua, Joshua chapter 23, it's the next to last chapter in the book of Joshua, verse 14. This is what Joshua says. Joshua is telling this to the nation of Israel. And he says, and you know, talking about the promises of God, reminding, so this is after they've conquered all the lands that God, have give, God has given them. And in the book of Joshua, chapter 23, he's reminding the people of the promises of God. And this is what he says. He says, and you know with all your heart and soul that none of the good promises of the Lord your God made to you has failed. None of them have failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. And what that means for us today is that the same God who was faithful to his promises in Joshua's day is the same God who is faithful to his word today. Right where you are, right in your current circumstance and situation, God is faithful to do what he said he's going to do. And God promises, his promises should spur us into action, not lull us into inaction. And that's what the, the Israelites forgot in Numbers chapter 14. They forgot that God had promised, promised to give them this land. It was theirs for the taking. All they had to do is go in and claim it. And the second time we see, we see God say this phrase, strong and courageous, he says it in a little different way. He says, only be strong and very courageous in verses 7 and 8. And he does this to draw particular attention to this time because this is where God is going to kind of shift from the what to the how. How I've, I've told you what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to lead the people into the land, conquer the inhabitants, and I'm going to tell you how to do that. And he gives us the, the source of how to be strong and courageous, to how to, the, where we're going to get our strength and courage to be able to, to overcome and face the challenges that this world gives us. And God ultimately is ultimately saying that we can be strong and courageous and have confidence in him because God's word will guide us. That is what God is telling to Joshua. Notice what he says, and I love the way, verses 7 and 8, they put it 
put it this way, above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. And this is where we're, we're tempted, right? This is where we're tempted in 2022, whatever year it is. This is where we're tempted to kind of muddy what, what, what the idea, idea or concept of success is, right? With, between the, the idea of what God says is successful to, we muddy that with what the world's idea of success is. But notice the hinge in these verses. And God's going to tell us what the key to success is. If you want a formula for success, read Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8. Because the, the key is this. The book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Let me go back. Because God's word will guide you. You see, verses, verses 7 and 8 are the key. The key to being successful in God's eyes is obedience to his instruction. If you want to see how this, this fleshes itself out through the book of Joshua, read the book of Joshua. And you'll see, you'll see that, that the success of the nation of Israel in the 24 chapters of the book of Joshua are never based upon the strength of their militaries or the strategies of the men. Success of the nation of Israel was always based upon their obedience to what God had told them to do. And to repeat it again. Success in God's eyes is always dependent upon obedience to his instruction. You want to be successful? Read God's word, but don't just stop there. Live God's word. Apply it to your life in every aspect of your life. And if you're thinking, well, if the key to success is in God's word is or if the key in God's eyes to being successful is, is this, how, how, do, how do I do that? How do I be careful to observe the whole instruction of God's word? Well, for starters, we have to open this book, and we've got to do more than just read it. And when we do read it, we certainly can't pick what we want and leave the rest. We've got to take the entire. That's why, I think that's why God is, is intentional about saying the whole instruction that he gave to Moses, the entire thing. Take it all or leave it all. Verse 8 says, The book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you be careful to observe everything written in it. In another translation uh, where the Holman Christian Standard says, recite it day and night, which day and night is just a phrase, um, a Hebrew phrase for all the time. The word recite in the Holman Christian Standard is translated in the ESV and other versions to meditate. The Hebrew word translated meditate or recite literally means to, to mutter, to speak, to talk, to constantly be, to be muttering. And this no doubt would have, when God said this to, to Joshua, this would have no doubt kind of brought back a memory of Deuteronomy, the, the book of the law, Deuteronomy written in chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, and this, or verses 6 through 9, this is what it says. It says, These words that I am giving to you today are to be on your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, 
When you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And as, as I'm sure Joshua would have been remembering that verse and, and kind of, I remember, when, I remember when you told that to Moses and what he's reminding Joshua of here in, in, in verses seven and eight, he's reminding him that let God's word so inform any and all aspects of your life that it will be impossible to forget them. A, a lost discipline in Christian culture today is memorizing God's word. You think I, you may be saying, Corey, I can't memorize scripture. I can't memorize anything. And I would challenge you to say, you probably commit a lot less significant things to your memory. The songs that we listen to, I could sing a Garth Brooks song or a George Strait song verbatim, word for word, a song that I probably hadn't heard in 10 to 12 years. I could, if it came on the radio, I could sing every word to it. God is saying that success, if you want to be marked by as successful in the eyes of God, this is what it takes. For this life, you must commit our lives to the study and obedience to his word. And the, and the, because this is, this is, this is where our strength and courage, this is the source of strength and courage for the believer. And this is just as, if God never changes, that's the exact same message that, that God is giving to Joshua. I am your source of strength and courage. I'm not asking you to do this alone. I'm not, I'm not telling you to be brave on your own because I am going to give you strength. I am going to give you courage and you're going to have strength and courage because you know that I, 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 I answer all of my promises. I, I fulfill my commitment every single time. He says, I am giving you a guidebook. I am giving you my word. If you stay true to my word, it may be difficult, but you will be successful. And the third and final time where we see where God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, he's telling them, he's telling him and us that we can ultimately have confidence in God because he says to Joshua three times, he says, I will be with you. Verse five, God says it twice. He says, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. And just after there's a period, and then there's another phrase that says, I will not leave you or forsake you. So two, two different ways, God says, I will be with you. And in verse nine, we see where God says, haven't I commanded you? As just a, as kind of a, a summary and a reminder, haven't I commanded you? And this is where I believe that, that Joshua, God is telling this to Joshua because Joshua is very much not strong or encouraged at this point. And he says, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But notice that last, that this last reminder doesn't reference Moses or anything else for that matter, but it says, the Lord, your God, is with you. In order to have the strength and courage that God talks about to, to Joshua in this passage, you've got to know him for yourself. You can't have a second-hand relationship with God. You can't have secondhand strength or courage that only comes from the source of strength and courage, which is, which is God. 
You've got to know him for yourself. God was, God was Joshua's God. Therefore, he could have confidence that he would never face anything alone or be required in his own strength to conquer, conquer anything. Can, can you say that today? Can you say that you have confidence in the God of, of the Bible to give you strength and courage to face whatever you face today? Or is your confidence linked to someone or something else? In the New Testament, Jesus often would encounter the people of Israel, the leaders of the, the Israelites. The, they're called in the, the New Testament Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, the high priests, the scribes. You've probably heard some of these titles. And they would often kind of express confidence in their heritage their lineage or connection to Moses, the person that we've talked a great deal about today. And Jesus would always challenge them, don't put your focus in Moses, put your focus and your confidence in me. We didn't mention this earlier, but Joshua's name, his name changed. If you read back in Numbers chapter 14, he's, he's mentioned as with a different name. Moses changes his name to Joshua, which in Hebrew would have been Yeshua. It, it literally means Yahweh saves, which in Hebrew would have been exactly what Jesus' name meant. Jesus, much like, just like Joshua and Moses were a shadow of the coming Savior for his people. Jesus came to save his people and the world, but... Many of them look to someone else or something else to save them. Who or what are you looking to today to save you? Who is your confidence in? Is your confidence in Jesus and the God of the Bible or is it somewhere else? Because only the confidence and strength that we talked about today can only come from God. And only, it belongs, this strength and this, this courage and this, this confidence belongs to people who have said yes to Jesus. And so I wanna, I wanna ask you and give you the opportunity, have you said yes to Jesus, the Savior of the world? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if, if you want to say yes or have said yes today, I want to I give you the opportunity to maybe give you maybe a how to do that. You think, well, Corey, how do I say yes to Jesus? There's going to be a prayer that's going to come up on the screen. And, and there's, I, want, I want you to know there's no power in these words. But what these words will help your heart and your mind do is to enter into a posture of submission to the Savior of the Lord. Because there's a lot of people that want want Jesus as their Savior, but never want Him as Lord. And I want to I challenge you today. You will, not, you will never have Jesus as your Savior if you do not want Him as Lord. And so the words on this screen are a posture of submission and confession. Confessing that you cannot save yourself and that you need 
Jesus. And if you said these words today, if this is the the posture of your heart and mind today, I want you to know that you can have confidence that Jesus is your savior. And if you've done that, we, we wanna celebrate that with you. As a church family, wherever you are, we wanna celebrate that with you today. So if you would, hang on, give us, give us a little bit of information. Tell us, tell us that you made this, that decision today. You've said yes to Jesus. And we wanna partner with you because we, just like Jesus or God promises to Joshua in this word today, you don't have to do that alone. And so if you let us know, we, we wanna partner with you in that today, celebrating that decision and helping you along the journey in your relationship with Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.